0: Welcome to Let's Talk About Treks, an episodic review of today's visions of the future featuring Earl Grey and Jack Dorino. This week, Jack and Earl discuss a mathematically perfect redemption. It's Star Trek Lower Decks, Season 3, Episode 7. Enjoy the show.
1: Thank you for joining us. I am Earl Grey.
0: My name is Jack Dorino.
1: Today, we'll be discussing Star Trek Lower Decks, Season 7, Episode 3. I mean,
0: um, close.
1: <laughs> Very three. close.
0: I think that was mathematically imperfect.
1: Oh, okay. Season three times episode seven. Wow. <laughs> A mathematically perfect redemption. Yes. The episode is written by Ann Kim, directed by
0: Jason Zurich. Our yes. favorite Vulcan director. Love Yay. it.
1: So maybe I already asked this at one point, but why do you call him a Vulcan?
0: Zurek. His name is Zurek. Ah, uh, okay. It's it's almost like Sorak or Sarek. Uh, Zurek. Okay. This is the twenty seventh episode of Star Trek Lower Decks and it is the eight hundred and sixtieth episode of all Star Trek.
1: It aired on the sixth of October,
0: twenty twenty two. Two thousand and twenty two. Yes. Is it, yes. yep. it aired? I mean we just stream it uh, released it was released
1: yes previously on star trek lower decks wait previously
0: i don't think we've seen that before in or, or rather heard it before
1: yeah i don't think so
0: and also usually when you do a previously on it reviews like the previous episode or some things that have happened over the season this is the first time we're going all the way back to season one no small parts our recap has the ship getting carved up And if you'll remember we had that big (laughs) that big emotionally building conversation in Sick Bay, you know, where it's like, Oh my gosh, Peanut Hamper, you're gonna save the day. Yep, and she's all And then I'm gonna pass. You guys suck. See you later. (laughs) So peanut hamper has chosen otherwise and she beams away, leaving everyone to have their guts flowing out like this is akira <laughs> As we've mentioned before on this show, Star mm-hmm. Trek is really getting very skilled at doing this particular thing, which is showing the same scene from a different perspective.
1: Ooh, okay. Yeah. So
0: we actually experienced the moment of Shax's death. Yeah. From the perspective of Peanut Hamper, who's floating out in space after having beamed away. I did not imagine that Peanut Hamper would have just beamed out into the middle of space.
1: She obviously wasn't planning ahead on how to get
0: home from there. No, not at all. She was just trying to get out of the situation. And how difficult do you think it is to distinguish inorganic life from a computer? That's a good question. If a ship blows up, I imagine that all the shuttles, like there might be a shuttle or two that's still intact, Uh huh. and their computer systems would be sophisticated enough that in my imagination, they would read as organic life.
1: Yeah, or inorganic life rather. Well, I I think maybe it depends on the size and shape of the container. Like a shuttlecraft is big compared to say a data or an exocom.
0: Well, I, you know now that I think about it, I guess that you would you would search for energy readings. Yeah. Right? Like movement of electrons, right? So you would find that in organic life and you'd find that in inorganic life and in fully functioning computers. I think that we probably learned <laughs> from the first episode of strange new worlds Mm -hmm. right that probably best not to leave all of your junk in space (laughs) because maybe you might affect the development of a planet it's right yeah okay probably gotten a little more hygienic with cleaning up stuff so i guess it would make sense that at this point in the future we would expect you know starfleet crews to come around and collect any functioning pieces of technology.
1: Right. So either the Titan would just get her, get get the Cerritos out quickly and drop them off to safety and then go back or well, call somebody. So
0: I think that's where the, is it called the Carlsbad? Oh. Because. Yeah. Yeah. This is like some other lower deck ship would come along.
1: Yeah. Some other. Cali- and scan
0: the debris. Rutherford has a new implant, apparently. Yeah, I mean, he did. I mean, at the end of this episode, they had to.
1: Shax totally just ripped it off his head before he rescued him and took him, sent him back. But the the, the implant had to be there in order to infect the uh, packlet ship, Mm. which begs the question could some portion of Red Rutherford still be around?
0: I think that Otherford was in the organic part. Okay, not the inorganic part. Okay. Of Rutherford. I think that the inorganic part of Ruther- uh, the the implant was probably holding otherford at bay.
1: I think that's also the last time we saw like major malfunction with the Vulcanness coming through because it was a vulcan created implant and, you know, having trouble
0: The emotional settings.
1: Yeah, going through the emotional settings and it shutting down randomly right when he needs to do something with it. Most of that kind of ended at the end of season one. Okay. Although there there certainly were points where it it did kind of pick up up again.
0: I really very much enjoyed the opening credits of this episode.
1: I did. I I did too. And I think it was a good way to help bring... Because remember, we're in... 2380 in this episode, at the beginning of this episode. Okay. But there's a lot of ta- time lapse that has to go on here. Show- showing this in the credits was a-, a good way to start that ball rolling.
0: It, the music was very haunting, but it, like, very full of emotion. Mm hmm. But it was also recognizable. Like when we get to the part where it's like dun 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 dun, dun like I knew it was coming, yeah. and I sang it along with it at the same speed. It was lovely. <laughs> Love
1: it. Yeah, I thought that was very cool. It was also kind of appropriate for October.
0: It made you feel like Halloween.
1: Well, you said it was creepy. Yeah.
0: I said haunting. Haunting. Yeah, haunting is. By haunting, I mean like a really good piece of music. Uh You know, like the four right chords could make you you reference that before.
1: (laughs) ASMR stuff?
0: Sure, yes, along those lines, absolutely. (laughs) Where like, you know, if you hit the right note on a violin, it can strike an emotional response. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. The teaser this time includes the opening Mm -hmm. credits, but now we've reached the end of that. So now we've reached our first commercial break. What do you say, Earl? Yes,
1: let's uh, enjoy this commercial for Unplanned Trek.
2: (laughs) Hi, my name is Isaac, and I'm from Australia. And if you're hearing me, that means you also like Star Trek, which makes you a friend in my book. So if you like Let's Talk About Treks and would like to hear more podcasts, why not give us a try? Search for Unplanned Trek where you can listen to a podcast about a random episode out of all Star Trek series where we look at things like the best and worst characters as well as we're giving out the Riker medal for any love interest that we see this week. So search on Twitter and your podcast provider Unplanned Trek and give our show a go you may find that you recognise a voice or two as we have special guests coming up all the time. So, if you like a light-hearted podcast with a little twist of humour and a big focus on Star Trek, just give us a go, folks. All you have to do is search for... Unplanned Trek. Live long and prosper.
1: Welcome back, everybody. We are still Let's Talk About tracks.
0: (laughs) And... Peanut Hamper is still uh, farting around.
1: Farting <laughs> I, think it's around.
0: A I mean, clearly there's some air yeah. escaping from the back end of Peanut <laughs> Hamper, and it seems like maybe Peanut <laughs> Hamper is using flatulence to propel herself <laughs> around empty space.
1: So, does that mean she has a digestion system and therefore isn't completely integrotic?
0: I don't think that is true.
1: Oh. So is she able to just replicate the air that she needs to poof around the sector?
0: I think that would make sense. Oh, okay. You know the Bussard Collector collects particles in spaces you're traveling, and then it like yeah. sort of puts that towards energy and replication yeah. and stuff. Well, I think that um, Peanut Hamper probably does the same thing. I mean, it's an exoclap. Okay. They can generate yeah. stuff. They, they always have.
1: Where do they get the energy to just replicate infinitely in anything that they need?
0: E equals mc squared so matter is convertible to energy okay all you have to do is find matter and you can reconfigure it
1: so she's using the debris around her then sure oh okay
0: there's there's lots of stuff all over the
2: place right there (laughs) uh
0: there were also uh, a bunch of marks yeah i only counted 140 days but i imagine that there actually needs to be well no because i yeah 140 days would make sense uh yeah. because that would be almost half a year almost six months out there by herself trying to build yep. a warp engine with her friend wilson yeah yep she's totally... i mean, yeah sophia sophia so we have uh we have peanut hamper farting around putting stuff <laughs> together
1: including <laughs> to a, herself.
0: yeah including a single warp engine yeah um, she tells Wilson, that she has she's gathered enough deuterium to get them to warp 0.03 or 0.02. Mm-hmm. So you know what I did? Yes, I did some math. Yay! So at 0.02 times c, c being the speed of light and being warp one at 0.02 c from Earth, it would take 537,500 years to reach Alpha Centauri, which is 4.3 light years away. Okay, it would take. years to traverse the entire Milky Way galaxy. It's actually something more on the order of (laughs) 12,599,999,999.998 years to traverse the Milky Way galaxy. But let's just go ahead and round off to, you know, about 12... Billion.
1: Yeah, 12.5 twelve point
0: five billion. Yeah, the Milky Way galaxy being a hundred thousand light years across. Mm-hmm. It would also take Peanut Hamper. Now, this is this is the part that I found interesting is that at point two c, mm-hmm. it would take Peanut Hamper one hundred twenty four thousand nine hundred ninety nine years to traverse one light year. Ooh. Which means that the planet Areolus... <sighs> There, there are a lot of sexual names in this show that, like so many that like that I didn't even catch uh, the father's name until like my fourth watch through
1: does the father have a name?
0: he does his name is Caltorus. Clitoris? Yeah, <laughs> and there we are
1: <laughs> Areola and Clitoris and
0: and Raw Dog
1: Raw Dog? <laughs> yeah. do yeah. I want to know what that is?
0: It's not using a condom.
1: Oh, okay. Barebacking.
0: Yeah. Oh, okay. So uh, so Peanut Hamper gets this engine started and is ready to bring, you know, Sophia along with her. Yeah. But she's interrupted by these, you know, these Drukmani scavengers.
1: The Drukmani scavengers are a callback from season one. Okay. It's from episode six, Terminal Provocations.
0: So they send their tractor beams out. You know, just like the Klingon Barge of the Dead from Star Trek Discovery, Mm -hmm. to to scavenge pieces. You know, the Klingons use it to gather bodies, and the Drukmani use it to gather materials, apparently. Mm -hmm. It looks very alarmingly similar to the same sort of device, and I wonder if they got it from the Klingons. Oh.
1: I mean, that's very probable.
0: I mean, they are scavengers. So they could have actually gotten that technology from the area of the Battle of the Binary Stars, which would have been before we learned to be more hygienic with our material. Mm. Right. So maybe they left it around. Drukmani find it. Uh huh. So Peanut Hamper, as is her way, trades Sophia for herself I'm sorry, well and saves herself. So she goes into warp. Now, here's the thing. <laughs> that I'm, I'm having... I have a little bit of issue with it, is that she has one warp engine, right? Mm-hmm. So what warp does is it ger- generates a field right around mm-hmm. the ship. A subspace field. Yeah. What, no, it's a field that drops you into subspace. Oh, okay. You ha- You have to have the two engines to balance that field and support the whole ship. So I guess you can have one warp engine. I've always been annoyed by those ships that have a single warp engine because it mm-hmm. seems like... It shouldn't really work like that. <coughs> USS Calvin? The Yeah, sure. That one right there. There you go. It, maybe it works sometimes. Okay. But sometimes it doesn't, which is part of why Peanut you know, Hammer falls out of warp mm-hmm. and tumbles to a planet, which I remind you is less than one light year away. <laughs> <laughs> okay. And uh, awakens on this planet into this binary stream you know, of data going across her vision. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Some little birds run away. <laughs> and then an owl man pops up. Like, I mean, I thought he was an owl man at first. He definitely seemed like an owl because the first thing that came out of his mouth was. Huh?
1: <laughs> and, well, yeah, actually, I also assigned uh, owl more predominantly to these bird people than any other
0: species of bird or type of bird. I, I think that makes sense for the older ones, not so much for raw dog.
1: Yeah, the, the screeching he does later on sounds more like yeah. an eagle or like a, a hawk. The,
0: I was going turkey. Oh,
1: okay. <laughs> the,
0: turkey. I wondered, though, why a peanut hamper would fear a knife. Because Kaltoris comes at her with a knife. Why, why would that be a problem?
1: They could use it as a primitive form of a screwdriver and take her apart
0: except for the fact that he said she's been rebuilding her energy for a while so she she should really just be able to float away (laughs) right isn't she like isn't she mobile yeah i I just didn't i didn't quite get why she didn't lift off maybe oh maybe he used the knife to clear her her ports that allow for movement Uh Oh. like maybe her butthole was clogged, and he had to dig her butthole out so that she could puff enough flatulence to move around again. Okay. (laughs) So, that's apparently the case, because for some reason she can't fly, because Kaltoris is carting her through the city. Yeah. And they pass this, they pass an older one, so I thought that this guy, whose name is Mm Scaff, which sounds to me like Scar, I thought that this character was going to be a little bit more important to the story. Because it's presented as like a questionably, maybe evil person that passes that, you know, we pass by and is the first one that says, you know, that gives some sort of guff about peanut hip or not being welcome. Oh, okay. Uh, Kaltoris. <laughs> I'm trying to be very cautious in, in saying this bird's name. Kaltoris uh, <laughs> explains that this is the first visitor that there has been in his lifetime. And this was the moment where I first heard what he said and thought, Hmm, why would he term it that way? Like if an alien landed here today, Mm -hmm. I wouldn't say this is the first one we've seen in my lifetime. Mm -hmm. I would say this is the first alien that we've ever known. of."
1: Yeah. And looking at it from the perspective of hindsight being 2020, the writers were very clever and very careful with everything that is being said by uh, these owl people up until this point because yeah. they're they're not lying
0: but they're not
1: they're implying that they are a pre warp, pre-industrial civilization
0: yeah absolutely that they don't have like space flight and warp drive and all that yes so as everyone's over here shading peanut hamper and trying mm-hmm. to stay away from her I'm kind of sensing that everyone here hates me of course as happens I think maybe only in movies and TV shows the baby <laughs> walks up and gives her the rattle. Yay! You know, which eventually prompts Peanut, which eventually prompts Peanut Hamper to produce a piece of candy.
1: Ooh, a piece of candy. Can birds eat candy? Is that okay? Ooh, a piece of candy. Well, as long as it's not
0: Mentos or apparently
1: alka seltzer Or like rice.
0: A lot of rice, yes. Okay. There's a, there's a lot of protesting here, but just for a moment, because are now are we there, get the, the Falcon sound, in. right? Yay! Where Kaltura screams, Yep. and the scream actually draws the attention of our our new friend Raw Dog. <laughs> uh, now yep. it was not until the third time through that I noticed that Raw Dog shows up with his girlfriend. What was that? Her girlfriend? His girlfriend? I think that that's what the uh, I think that that's what the idea was that that's of somebody who was interested in him. Okay, uh, could it be reciprocated? Who knows. I mean, Peanut Hamper says... Keep it in your pants, sister. I'm not trying to steal your bird man. Uh-huh. Which is funny, because... Uh, yeah. Uh, but Ronald doesn't want to fraternize, but mm-hmm. he uh, he does fall in line with his father's wishes. Yes,
1: he sh- starts to show her around. And as they're, he's showing her around, I want to point out...
0: The flying goat. hmm And then, you know, Peanut Hamper's in her living area by herself popping off tennis balls <laughs> while doing a personal log mm-hmm. so when raw dog comes in i think that he thinks that that's peanut hampers waste <laughs> i guess
1: i didn't think about it that way because he's like
2: how can you live in such filth
0: oh okay tennis balls aren't dirty but if you think that that's her waste, then sure I guess that would make sense. Uh, Okay. Instead of helping her clean up her, apparently, what he thinks is a filthy apartment, he's like, let's go work.
1: When they head off to work, I would say apparently when pigs fly has no meaning on this planet. Also, it would be my guess that this planet either has an atmosphere that is primarily contained of a lighter element gas than nitrogen, or the planet's core is made up of less massive elements by volume.
0: I hear what you're saying. Yeah, I don't think the gravity's lighter here. Okay. The reason I don't think that is because later when humans arrive on the planet, no one's floating around. Okay. Uh, Also, the Drukmani don't float around either.
1: They also don't have...
0: If you have wings, then you can just be in an atmosphere just like Earth and just fly.
1: And I guess birds can soar or hover, uh, whereas bats can't. So they don't necessarily have to be flapping all the time.
0: Sure. I, I think that if every creature on this planet flies, mm-hmm. then maybe they've just developed some tricks uh, and their wings have developed to a point where, you know, they can keep themselves aloft with very little effort. Okay. The peanut hamper is is, is the shade machine. Peanut hamper is constantly putting other people <laughs> constantly putting other people <laughs> down and continues to do so when she complains that you know these people haven't developed tile yet and they're mm-hmm. still using straw. Mhm. We move on to the sky snake coming by. Yeah, I feel like we just saw a sky snake the other day. We did in mining the mines mines.
1: Yep, very reminiscent of uh, the Quetzalcoatl creature.
0: Wow, good pull. So we're heading off to milk the goats and peanut <laughs> hampers efficient extremely efficient as a machine would be well as a inorganic machine would be i should say Mm -hmm. but is attacked by the goat um attacked or is the goat just trying to i mean because goats eat anything right isn't that the story about goats Uh,
1: they they're very curious yeah they they Mm. taste us a lot of things but i i think i i guess i interpret it as like when you're milk and when you're laden with milk and somebody finally relieves that pressure and that weight it sort of i guess is pleasurable so maybe it's just showing its affection and it's pretty
0: <laughs> fair enough fair enough we are interrupted from this lovingly milk milky scene by the <laughs> Taurus having been bitten by the snake and he's just ready to lay down and die because that's what happens on this planet like there's no medical technology really yeah. And he's going through his long speech and his <laughs> his slow death and he's flopping around. <laughs> 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 he's
2: pulling his head. And like,
0: Oh no man, I got this. <laughs> it's going dark. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Goodbye. Cruel world.
0: So Peanut Hamper brings the father back to life. Oh, and, uh, and then throw some more shade about straw and parasite water. <laughs>
1: Vitamin depletion.
0: If you keep a bird as a pet, you have to constantly change its water, uh-huh. because it it introduces parasites from its body into the water, and then ends up drinking them.
1: Oh, I didn't realize that.
0: Mm. So, okay. this is why we do it too. This is why we need running water, because we need the water. We need to use the water, and the water needs to get the hell away, because it has all kinds of dirty junk. That yeah. we shouldn't be around. Which there, is why I've never really understand baths. Baths. Like are you really just sitting in Yeah, are you really just sitting in a puddle of your own filth?
1: <laughs> Ew. You know, I had the pleasure of uh, seeing uh, some giant flying foxes at Animal Kingdom once. Okay. Interestingly enough, I I got to see how they prevent their feces from just dropping on their head. Tell me more. They actually twist around, they're still hanging on the tree, they twist around, they point their butt down, and they let it drop to the ground, you know, and then they twist back up and they grab on with their back feet again to the tree. Huh. And then, similar to to birds, I would imagine then that they also have only one excrement instead of two, like people do.
0: Uh, Okay. (laughs)
1: <laughs> basically the reason birds excrement is so runny it's a combination of their feces and their urine
0: <clears throat> so, so uh, on. Uh, peanut hamper gives out candy to everyone <laughs> too. Uh, it's a trick or treat episode yeah, it is happy Halloween
1: <laughs> <laughs> one thing that I was immediately drawn to and curious about do you think that uh, Dr. Miglimo could be related to these people
0: Oh, I hadn't even thought
1: of that. Maybe like a precursor to when they gave up technology, or maybe a spin-off of a clan? They they
0: have very different beaks and different heads and really different body shape.
1: Yeah, but if this this colony is primarily owl-type people or birds-of-prey-type people, and he's obviously a parrot... Oh,
2: is
1: that what he is?
0: Yeah, he... Never occurred a... to me before.
2: Hmm?
1: Okay.
0: I did never. Yeah, I thought that he was more like flamingo-ish. Oh. I mean, I could be wrong. It doesn't.
2: I
1: <laughs> well, I mean, I'm. I'm because of his green color. I'm immediately reminded of the small little green parrots that you see at, in in
0: pet stores. Oh, sure, like a parakeet.
1: Yeah, or I think. They have there's a uh, lovebirds. I think the males have a red head and the females are just all green.
0: Interesting.
1: <laughs> Doctor Miglumio should have a red head then.
0: I mean, there's species difference, but like yeah, most most parakeets also aren't like five feet tall. <laughs>
1: that, that's that's true.
0: Peanut Hamper becomes one of the villagers, and it's easy to. Quickly learn that she's been administering medicine all over the place, mm-hmm. and I don't, I don't know if this. I, I feel like, I feel like this wouldn't really be a violation of the Prime Directive, because mm. it's not like she's giving them technology. She's just yeah. providing what she can of herself, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, so but I, I'm a little iffy on that Prime Prime Directive violation. I mean, telling yeah. them about. Other species and starfleet, etc. Et yeah.
1: yeah. Well, I had I wrestled with uh, Peanut Hamper in this episode uh, all episode long. I mean, so I did Raw Dog.
0: I okay. with Peanut Hamper.
1: <laughs> Good. Yep. All night long. Mm-hmm. I couldn't quite pin down Peanut Hamper in my mind. Is she bipolar or something?
0: I think she's just an evil supercomputer.
1: It just seemed like some of her behavior even led me to wonder if she had a split personality.
0: Oh, I think she's just faking it all. Okay. She reminds me a little bit of Dr. Aspen. Or Angel. From Star Trek Strange New Worlds. The one who was trying to get Cybok out of prison. Oh, okay. Because it started... And she was, the epi- as the episode started, she was Dr. Aspen and she tells the story about all the, you know, and she seems like she's a pretty decent person. And then towards the end of the episode, she flips and becomes Angel and takes over the Enterprise. Okay, so she's just
1: uh, playing along the, a character until she can figure out how to get what she
0: wants. Or or she's playing, because remember Dr. Aspen says, when, when Spock says, um, Vulcans are not swayed by emotions. Dr. Aspen's like, Seriously? I've been using emotion to sway you all day. So like, <laughs> she's been doing this act. Uh-huh. And this act is to lead her toward this goal to where then she can then flip, we're going too far forward.
2: <laughs>
0: but uh, Raw Dog takes her to the incubation room, incubation mm-hmm. chamber, and there's a whole bunch of eggs laid out. Is that... Is that a usual thing where, like, they lay a bunch of eggs and not a lot of them hatch, like, for birds? Because what he says is that, you know, it's just the way the world, like, you know, most of them aren't going to make it or half of them aren't going to make it. And then she miraculously makes them all all hatch. And I'm curious about the population boom that happens right now because they're used to...
1: (laughs) Yeah, that's the first thing I thought about.
0: They're used to a much smaller percentage of those eggs hatching so... Now that they've all hatched, do they actually have the infrastructure, not the infrastructure, but the well, yeah, the, the infrastructure, like the uh, to support all yeah. of these new hatchlings? Like, like, maybe they expected five and they got 30.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Like, what do you do then?
1: Yeah, I think again, it depends on the species, but oftentimes, yes, there can be of like a clutch of three, there can be at least one that doesn't hatch.
0: There's this explosion of life that happens in front of raw dog and raw dogs whole mm-hmm. thing is, you know, protecting the village and, you know, learning how to lead the flock. So when there's this new explosion of like basically new subjects for him, when he takes over the, <laughs> yeah, the civilization, mm-hmm. uh, I think that it's a lust for an unexpected lust for that power and an appreciation for the growth of the kingdom. Mm-hmm. that sort of makes raw dog flip over into you know being in love with peanut hamper. Mm. And he he decides he's going to take her to his his secret place.
1: Yeah, okay. So she's he's kind of seeing her as more nurturing than maybe the girlfriend that he was thinking of.
0: Exactly. Yeah. Okay. Like she's she's really the mother to this new uh, generation of hatchlings. Because <laughs> it's not like anybody well, was in there sitting on them and incubating them. They yeah. were just sitting there in a hut.
1: Yeah, and birds tend to, and other egg-laying animals, tend to associate the per- first thing they see as their dominant parent.
0: Yeah, they they imprint on them. Yeah, imprint, yeah. At the cool. moment of the hatching, yeah.
1: Yeah, and they definitely go and they try and cling on to peanut <laughs> ham.
0: They definitely do. I, that's I, And it's a very natural thing to happen. So we go off flying. Yeah. And uh, this is where I think I, I get the sense that Raw Dog might be like a turkey. <laughs>
2: <laughs> okay. Or a
0: chicken or like a vulture or something because like that song... I was expecting, like, a rooster call, at least. Like, I knew it was going to be something... I knew it wasn't going to be, like, something beautiful, like a like a long hawk or falcon. <laughs> yeah. I definitely thought it was going to be more like, caw caw. <laughs> well, that definitely was a
1: humanized version of a, a, a bird cry, but I, I found that moment hysterical. I mean, I actually laughed out loud when i i
0: i did too i knew it was going to be ridiculous but somehow it was even more ridiculous than i expected yeah yeah <laughs> so peanut hamper also found it more ridiculous
1: than <laughs> expected like, You're <laughs> <still> going <laughs> okay
0: we get to the to the hiding place that raw dog has oh and peanut hamper tells this story about how her father wanted her to be a regular exocomp you know and mm-hmm. just do you know like pr- presumably starfleet type stuff and just be a mm-hmm. you know one of the drd oh drds yeah you remember you know like the dot eights and stuff that are in discovery uh-huh and then they're also in discovery in the 32nd century and they're dot 32s okay like there was no mention of these dots during the next generation but there were the exocomps so i wonder like was did somebody tinker with those and they turned them into exocomps and then they basically rendered them unusable because now it would be like enslaving a people (laughs) maybe like way to go jordy now we don't have our Roombas don't work anymore because now they have their own brains and they don't want to suck all the crap off my floor anymore. Good job, Jordy. Are you,
1: are you sure Rawdog is taking Peanut Hamper to his hiding place? I thought he was after her hiding place.
0: He says that it's the place where he hides from the pressures of the village and all the hubbub and bustle. Okay. My question is, her dad question mark exclamation point question mark exclamation point oh right yeah that's a good question do I mean, so exocomps reproduce now well I mean that's part of the
1: definition of life so is she a second generation but exo-
0: uh, that's that's what I'm curious about and if she is why didn't they improve it a little bit along the way this these guys make me think of batteries <laughs> not included have you seen this movie I yeah, no I haven't I keep on... You haven't seen Batteries (laughs) Not Included? Have you seen Cocoon? Yes, I've seen Cocoon. Okay, good. At least you didn't miss all the Jessica Tandy and Hume Cronion fun. (laughs) You should watch Batteries Not Included. Bring a box of tissues. Oh. Okay. So after we get this expository story about Peanut Hamper and her father, exclamation point, question mark, exclamation point, question mark, (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> they both pop their head feathers out. Yeah. And then I guess Peanut Hamper examines. Whoa, 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 whoa wait. What? Raw dog's cloaca?
1: No. Cloaca is
0: how I've always heard it pronounced. Oh, I've never heard it before. I've only read it. Oh, okay. All right. There's a really cute moment where, of course, the wings turn into
1: a heart. From behind
0: the waterfall. Which reminds me of... Okay, so wait, so wait, so wait, so wait, so wait. There was a birdman in the crew on... Oh, wait a minute. Why doesn't Miglimo have wings? Um, you know, typically... Miglimo is a flightless bird. Mm. Oh, oh, but also most birds just have wings. They don't have wings and arms.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, technically these owl people are hexapods instead of quadrupeds.
0: These are like bird tars. I guess they're in like, a way. They're, they're like bands. You know, half man, half bird. I'm a band.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's how people design western dragons, too.
0: Mm, fair enough.
1: Lots, lots of times they have four legs and wings. Which, yeah, to, and a lot of people like to point out, yeah, typically in, in nature, at least on Earth, you don't see... Four legs and wings.
0: Yeah, because that's six limbs.
1: That's six limbs. It's usually the hands, like on, especially on western dragons, or like on bats, their their hands get membranes between the fingers, and they use those yeah. to fly.
0: Sure enough. So after this whole like love making session, I guess mm-hmm. <laughs> I was really shocked that this turned towards a love story. I completely. <laughs> out of the blue like unexpected for me i did not think this was going to be a love story
1: i wonder if um peanut hamper is thinking that too
0: well i think peanut hamper is thinking i wanted this to be a love this was my whole plan oh was to get somebody under my wing pun intended (laughs) and put them on my side so that they'll be my defense and they'll be my support to starfleet when they show up Mm -hmm. what she nor i expected was for raw dog to take us to these spaceships mm, yep. and i realized oh these people this is a luddite community a luddite yeah what? like A owosican. owosican grew up in a luddite community which is similar to this community that we found on terralysium you know where the church was oh um, right in, yeah in uh where we where were we we're, we were still back in pike time so we were in yeah. the the 22nd century yeah and that's where star trek brought into its parlance the use of luddites so this is actually another example of a luddite community but also it gives me the relief that well we aren't breaking the prime directive at all yeah yeah because these people had warp drive and they've just decided against it so we're not breaking the prime directive we're just breaking their cultural norms Okay. You know what happens when people break cultural norms, right?
1: People on the autism spectrum are doing that all the time and they get uh, ostracized.
0: We recently had a president who broke all the cultural norms. We did? And uh, we did. And a lot of them are still broken. Uh like once upon a time you could reasonably and responsibly expect that you could vote for the right for what you thought was the right candidate, mm-hmm. whether that was a Republican or a Democrat. Uh-huh. Like back in the day, a lot of us, a lot of us supported Ronald Reagan because he had great plans, even though he was a Republican Mm -hmm. these days, there's been such a bifurcation of society created and the norms have all been shifted. Like people like, so now when wild things happen, it doesn't seem as weird as it would have like 20 years ago. So what she's done Mm -hmm. is she's, she's, she's edging towards breaking that cultural norm of them being a Luddite society. Ah, okay. So in that respect, she's, she's not breaking the prime directive. She's doing something amoral, (laughs) (laughs) but not necessarily against the laws of the rules of Starfleet. Like similar to like, you know, when we visited that Luddite community on Mm Terralisium, you know, we beamed down and we were very cautious initially about, you know, people not seeing us be away, you know, keeping our technology hidden. Yeah she's sort of done the opposite she's she's blundering right into it
1: yeah I mean well she literally fell right into it
0: yeah <laughs> and uh, uh, Peanut Hipper says that you know she's not she's not the good one you know she's just using all this Starfleet training so it's in this moment that now she's filling Raw Dog's head with propaganda
1: that all they all the other side wants to do it's not about them it's about her
0: yeah. She's making him believe that she's expressing humility. hmm Like, oh, it's not me. I'm not really... This is the same thing when it's like, yeah, you're a hero. Oh, 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 no, don't, don't cheer for me. I did nothing. No, 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 keep cheering. Keep cheering. You know, like that, <laughs> that kind of moment.
1: Well, and, and in some ways, you know, by mentioning, constantly mentioning all the time how they want to take her to a penal colony for breaking the prime directive. She's also
0: putting some shade on Starfleet, and that she is. She's aligning them with her against Starfleet.
1: Mm-hmm. She's gonna go walk down to the capital, and she. Oh wait.
0: So when we come back, there is a wedding underway, and it took me a moment to recognize what was happening, but because I didn't notice the beak. Okay, so I saw the veil, but I didn't notice the beak at first. Uh huh. Um, why does she have a beak? That, like a fake one... beak structure to her face. Yeah,
1: I she obviously replicated it, but that was something I didn't notice until my second watching. What I don't maybe she just wants to feel more like she fits in, or look like, more like she fits in.
0: So, like, if a white woman were to marry a black man, should she wear blackface at to the wedding? Mm. I don't think it's quite like that. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, I think it, I think it's kind of like that. It's definitely like some wild. It's not even like cultural appropriation. It's like physical appropriation. <laughs> maybe she means it as physical approximation, but like maybe it's like to... if
1: she were to have dreads on instead of straight hair.
0: <laughs> no, it's like it's like uh, Nancy Pelosi wearing some kente cloth, for instance. I has she done that? She did. Yes. Oh. She wore kente cloth to a funeral, and everyone roasted her for it.
2: <laughs> <laughs> okay,
0: but this this vows, these vows, in this wedding are interrupted by the arrival of the drukmani.
1: Yeah, and real quick, this the the scene getting ready for the wedding. That's how we catch up to twenty three, uh, eighty two.
0: Yeah, I think that all of this time from the time that she got to the planet yeah. and the time of the wedding is probably a, a good year and a half.
1: Yeah, the, I mean this was, the, the time jump that they do showing the bush um, and the setup of the wedding and the town and stuff, that was definitely three to six months.
0: Mm. In this moment, Peanut Hamper lies. She gives the truth to a certain extent. But she also lies because what she says that, she says that it's her fault that the druk money are there because they're following her. Mm-hmm. The first part of that statement is true. From a certain point of view. It is true. shes It's her fault. Period. Yeah. Full stop. It's her fault they're here. Yeah. That part is true. Yeah. Because they're following her, that is a lie. And they're following her signal that she gave them. They're, they were invited <laughs> you know, like, when when the Druk bounty leader comes up, he says, like, oh, there are some valuable materials here. Mm-hmm. But in this moment, he's also lying. Is he? Yes, because Peanut Hamper said, there are ships here. Nobody wants them. You can come get them. Mm-hmm. What he says is there's valuable material, not like there's some ships under here. You guys aren't using them. We're going to take them.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Or do you think maybe he didn't want to play his hand for fear that the the area or we're going to say, oh no, those are our ships.
1: The other thing is, is why didn't he just come and approach them and try and negotiate for the stuff that they're not
0: using anyway? Why even negotiate with them? Why not just go take the ships? That's what they tried to do. I think they approached them first. They brought their shuttle down and landed and were like, hey, uh, we're going to take this valuable material. They could have just gone and taken the ships. They were definitely very demanding when they were down there in the
2: shuttle. So
1: they your negotiation tactics weren't very good
0: at all. At <laughs> all. There's no negotiation yet. They're the scavengers aren't good at negotiation. I've heard. Oh, okay. Because they pick up the pieces after like they don't ever have to negotiate because they're never after anything that's of value to somebody. They're cleaning <clears throat> up scraps after people. They're scavengers. Like scavengers fight with scavengers. They don't fight with like apex predators. Uh, well, I mean, they—they're not going to get the best of the meat because yeah. the apex predators are going to get that. Yeah. they're taking the stuff that nobody wants.
1: Yeah, although sometimes they try to sneak in there and sneak a bite while the predator is in there, but they often regret it and/or end up dead because of
0: it. So the Drukhmani start tractoring the ships, mm-hmm. uh, you know, using their Klingon Gather the Dead beam. Mm-hmm. and Peanut Hamper rushes to make a, this distress call to the Cerritos
1: did she aim it at the tr- Cerritos specifically or
0: were they just nearby uh, Captain we're receiving a distress call from Peanut Hamper oh okay yep. and it's coming from the planet areolas <laughs> <a> pre warp civilization <laughs> we've built all the way up to like a scene that mirrors the scene from Sick Bay, from no small parts right where we're building towards oh my gosh we need a savior someone can save us we need them to be able to do this that and the other and peanut hamper's like oh it's me <laughs> yay and she got me again because the first time that happened i was like oh peanut hamper's gonna and then peanut hamper's like no screw no. you guys i'm out peace <laughs> see you later
2: screw you guys i'm going home
0: and this time i really thought that peanut hamper was gonna have the second chance Especially because the episode is titled A Mathematically Perfect Redemption. Yeah. But the twist is coming.
1: Yeah, and and several times through here is like where I kept on thinking she was flipping a switch and she kept on flipping back and forth through her personality.
0: Oh, yeah. I don't think she was... I think she was maintaining the same personality, but she was just, like, faking them. Okay. She was telling people what they wanted to hear, but, like, she also... She the the reason that she was shading stuff and putting stuff down Uh was so that then she could then turn around and provide something better Mm. to create value in what she has of herself to the people. Right. Yeah. So that was all a part of getting them all on her side and getting them behind her. Okay. Well. Now, when the Cerritos shows up, mm -hmm. she doesn't really need them anymore.
1: Oh. Well, then, maybe not a split personality, but certainly bipolar.
0: I think she's just cruddy. I think she's just a cruddy individual.
1: <laughs> oh, okay. okay. Because,
0: again, she, she got me and she got Tindy, because Tendy got a little excited that mm-hmm. Peanut Hamper was going to save the day. Yeah. So Peanut Hamper, like, heads off like she's actually going to do it. Yeah. Like, hops in a, hop, for some reason, hops in a ship, <laughs> even though she could have just flown around by herself
1: maybe the
0: ship could go faster? Fair enough.
1: Or she just wants to it, or something more visible, she, something Yeah,
0: she's making a show of it. She's putting on a show.
1: Yeah. Right. It surprised me how easily c- crashing a ship in a small ship into a larger ship punctured that small that large ship.
0: Oh, you mean so when she flies the Ariore ship into the Drukmani ship? Yeah, I think that the Arior crafts are so much more advanced and stronger. Okay. Than the Drukmani ship, which is probably cobbled together stuff. Like the Drukmani hmm. are kind of like smart packlets.
1: <laughs> okay.
0: So like they've gathered some stuff, but they have they. I don't think they've done like metallurgy to <laughs> to uh-huh. create you know some some reinforced uranium. yeah and that kind of thing
1: well the design of their ship almost reminds me of uh the garbage scowl from waste
0: dumpers yeah exactly from voyager
1: that and uh there was a garbage scowl in uh in the next generation because i had a card of it from the uh tcg or ccg
0: this garbage scowl had a captain that had six nostrils Maybe. But, yeah. I mean, if you're going to make a garbage scowl, I don't think you really need to, like, put much into design. Yeah. You just kind of, like, throw some stuff together. Which is kind of like how the druk money ships kind of look. Yeah. So... You know, Peanut Hamper does the whole thing. Like, does, goes through the motions of pretending to save the day, you know, overloads the engine. You know, things blow up, things are falling out of the sky. And then it comes Peanut Hamper rising from the, rising from the smoke (laughs) and ashes. Yeah. You know, as this Victoria. And I like the little wobble they put in, like as if, oh, I'm having trouble flying. Like she got a broken leg or something.
1: Uh huh. Yeah. I thought it was a little bit of a shaky cam, but. Oh, right. No, she did that.
0: Thank you. So, uh, enter the Cerritos. We have Tendi and Shaxton Freeman Mm -hmm. uh, who are here to make first contact with the Arior. The father, uh, you know, Clitoris, (laughs) (laughs) moves to defend Peanut Hamper and Uh Raw Dog moves to defend Peanut Hamper and everyone encircles her. Like, this is the power of like uh, this is like personality politics you know like oh, okay. come on we're going we're going to go march down the- oh, never mind <laughs> Freeman reassures that things yep. are going to be okay and Tendi Tendi helps out with that yep. which gives Peanut Hamper the space to make you know your classic Starfleet speech you know and 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 it was at this moment that I got really like, so Peanut like as i said Previously, Peanut Hamper had me fooled a hundred percent. And <laughs> I was really excited because I thought Birdman was gonna join the crew. That would be cool. Yeah, like I thought that maybe he was gonna bring his he was gonna be like a book mm-hmm. for the Cerritos.
2: hmm You
0: know, like come and put his ship there and hang out with Peanut and Hamper, and they're gonna be, you know, the Miles and Keiko of the Cerritos. Ooh, cool but Peanut Hamper is like, no, 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 no. You, no. you stay here. No, no. I'm good. We're going to go to Starfleet. You stay with your, you know, parasite water and your straw. This will be, will be, you'll be fine. S- uh,
1: smell you later.
0: Huh. Which is when the druk sees the opportunity to get on the Aerior ship mm-hmm. and then attack the village and then attack the Cerritos. Yes. And it, it's clear that the Arior, when they were a spacefaring civilization were much stronger than the cerritos so it makes me wonder like what drove them to give up their technology
1: yeah not only that but how long ago did they give up their technology because they're not no obviously nobody's heard of these people so you know it's even prior Seems like it would probably even be prior to the time when the, the Vulcans were exploring the galaxy. Sure. And...
0: Like, maybe the Bajorans and the Arior knew each other. Oh. I don't know. Huh. So, uh, So
1: then that would... Maybe the Cardassians knew them, too?
0: No, so here's the funny thing that I learned about the Cardassians recently, is the Cardassians, their planet was dying. Like, they were out of resources. Uh huh. And that's why they went over to Bajor and started trying to hold them down because they didn't have anything else. Like, they used their last ditch effort to subjugate the Bajorans and mm-hmm. use their technology and use yeah. their resources to like build their own civilization back up. Yeah. So the Cardassians are very new on the galactic scene. Are they? Yes. Okay. Yeah. They like just got spaceflight and then it just so happened that they were able to take over the Bajorans. Because the Bajorans were too busy praying oh, <laughs> to look up and notice that they had gods on their side. <laughs> <laughs> like literal wormhole aliens there to like, <laughs> well, the wormhole aliens didn't really, I don't know. I, I have issues with those those guys, but anyway. Oh, you do? Yeah, like, <laughs> we've been through this before, like, can <laughs> you, can you stop screwing around with our civilization? Because you guys have us so far with our heads in in the floor the on our prayer mats that we couldn't even look up to notice that, oh, there's this wormhole in our backyard. Mm-hmm. Like there's everyone warping all around them and doing all this stuff. And they're too busy praying to defend <laughs> themselves from a civilization uh-huh. that just achieved spaceflight. Uh-huh. I- I've heard
1: one speculation that Cardassians and Majorans were somehow subspecies of each other. They were the same species. And their so argument, their primary argument was because they can interbreed.
0: So can humans and Klingons.
1: Yeah, and so can humans and Vulcans.
0: I wonder if humans and Ferengi can. That, that's a good question. I don't know that I've ever seen a Ferengi and anything else mixed together. The, the biggest
1: unique thing about Ferengi that that Loxwana pointed out is their, their brains are more... Com- too complicated, one, for them to read telepathically, but they have more lobes. They
2: do
0: have six lobes. Yeah, yeah. they have six lobes. In and there.
1: she That's... mentioned another species that also has six lobes, like the Ferengi, huh. in that same paragraph. Uh, and I wonder if they could integrate Those two species could integrate with each other.
0: When we get to Deep Space Nine, Part Two,
1: maybe <laughs> we'll find out. Deep Space Ten?
0: No, that would oh. be a different station. Oh. So the the uh the Monies, you know reveals that they got the call from Peanut Hamper yes. and then provided the evidence. Yes. Of course they recorded it. Peanut hamper's like, it was a perfect call. Everything Ooh, was, was it? about that call <laughs> that's what Peanut Hamper said. It's a perfect it was call. It's a perfect call. There was no quid pro quo. Yes. But the betrayal is revealed at this point. You know, is still trying to keep up the lie for some reason. I don't know why Peter Hampton is trying to keep that lie when at the same time as telling the lie, she's like, yeah, yeah. I had the papers down in my, in my like golf course. And I had some papers somewhere else, but they're mine.
1: <laughs> well, I mean, she's also convinced herself of the lie. So she's still trying to back paddle and, and backbite and backstab and try and make sure that she, she, it, it, it the plan was so perfect and it has to go the way she it There's no other way it could possibly go and yeah. she's trying to redirect the train back onto the tracks
0: doesn't work. She eventually has to admit it and uh, she becomes a fake hero. She's like, oh, my plan was to give them the ships, and then stop them from taking the ships, and then I was going to be a big hero. Like, she literally, just like every evil villain, apparently, Mm -hmm. like, lays out her entire plan. Here's what I was going to do. Here's how I was going to do it. And, you know, she takes the the moment to shade the organics again, and (laughs) then reveal the falseness of her love to Raw Dog.
1: Aww. So, was she a faux Riro? What? I was trying to, it, I was trying to combine "foe" as in fake with "hero," A uh, "foe
0: hero." Oh, uh, I don't know, Scoop. Why don't we just move on? <laughs> <laughs>
1: that did kind of sound like something.
0: <laughs> so, Tindy, Tindy, you know, says that Peanut Hamper is going to be a hero again. Yay! And Peanut Hamper yay. says, "No, you, you guys suck. I'm not dealing with this. Y'all stink because <laughs> y- you poop everywhere." <laughs> and as is her thing that she does, she takes off again. Yep. When we're in the middle of something, you know, important. Mhm. My question is, where did she go? That's a good question, yeah. Like she just kind of disappears from the episode for a while. Yep. Well, I- maybe she went down to the surface. I th- I think that she I don't know. I don't know what she did, but I think she did something underhanded while she was away. I wonder oh. if, like, maybe she maybe she copied herself into one of the Auryar computers. And, I mean, in one of the Auryar ships, and maybe she'll be back someday. Uh-oh. Having circumvented her, well, later thing. Hmm. The, uh, the battle with the Auryar ship and the Cerritos continues. Yes. And it's actually during this time when uh, something falls on the father that... Mm-hmm. I learned that the father's name was Keltorus because somebody who is b- right behind him exclaims his name.
1: Oh, you're right. There. Okay.
0: So Raw Dog goes to the rescue with an even bigger ship. Like, mm-hmm. I guess the main ship that was there. And he yeah. kind of saves the day. How is he able to fly it? Uh, so he's he's been going to his secret place for a while. Yeah, but this isn't a, a shuttlecraft. This is the
1: Enterprise D. One person... How does...
0: Um, hmm. You can talk to Dr. Beverly Crusher about that.
1: That was in her pseudo-fantasy, though.
0: I think that... So, funny thing about that episode... It's funny that you should say it's a pseudo-fantasy, because that warp bubble was uh-huh. created by her thoughts. Oh. Right? Because yeah. what it did was it generated a universe based on what she was thinking about, because Dr. Dalen Quaise was thinking about you know the loss of all the people around him the ones that he loved and then she was thinking about it and that created this crazy universe so everything that happened in that universe was actually her brain Mm. so she apparently (laughs) (laughs) she apparently views everybody else as like either stupid or intractable because like or like (laughs) you know she thinks that they all think that she's dumb or something because like that's how they kind of all treated her like like mm. when, especially when she's like the Cl-. anyway. What, what what show are we reviewing? For? <laughs> this is
1: Star Trek: Lower Decks, season three, episode seven.
0: Yeah, we're back to a mathematically perfect redemption,
2: <laughs>
0: <laughs> where uh, Rawdog decides that you know we can go ahead and live with the technology, and yes. what we've been doing is we've been afraid of using the technology, mm-hmm. and much like the Bajorans, because we haven't used our power someone's going to try to take it from us. So you need to, when you have power and you have abilities and you have, you know, the strength to do something, you have to take control of that because if you don't take control of it, someone's going to take it from you. Yes. Like, it's very easy to give away something that you don't realize that you have. Yep. So it's good to then recognize that they have these relics here, right? Because these relics are serving as the foundation of their villages. So if someone tries to take that out from under them... Then mm-hmm. the village falls apart. Mm. Literally. Yeah. They have to embrace their past and recognize it and be able to move forward like into the into a brighter yeah. future. You know, okay. that's that doesn't have so much fear and has stuff like she's taught them many things here. Mm. Like she's 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 probably it's been long enough that there's probably been more than one litter. Wait, are they litters? I don't know. So there's probably been more, more than one brood clutch. Oh. Oh I think eggs are clutch, but when they when they hatch they're a brood or is oh, okay. it other animals that are a brood? I I don't
1: really know. That's a good question. I I'm not It's a generation. <laughs> there you go. Which generation?
0: The next generation. Uh. Kaltoris is passing on his <laughs> his leadership of the Arior to the next generation.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Sort of what uh, somebody else should have done when the new show came out, but he didn't. He refused. What? Shatner?
0: To the to, to his what? He
1: he should have passed on to his leadership to the next generation.
0: He did. No. He sat there and he gave Picard advice. Oh well. About. And- not letting them take you out of that chair (laughs) kirk did and passed the torch shatner didn't oh yeah 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 there are some actors of star trek that i i would just rather pretend like the actor doesn't exist and we just address the character
1: oh okay
0: because don't get me started on janeway Uh oh i'll ask you later then she's a red hat is she Kate Mul kate mulgrew is yes no Yes, she is. Look her up on Twitter. She's all about that life. I
1: follow her because you follow her.
0: Yeah, go back and read a lot of her posts. Okay. She's she's very red-hattie. So, much as I would like to do with Kate Mulgrew, the um, the R.E.R. turn their back on uh, Peanut Hamper. Mm, okay. And tell her to leave. So she's like, oh, cool, yeah, screw you guys, I'm going with Starfleet. <laughs> and then, you know, Starfleet's like, no, 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 Missy. <laughs> yeah. No, 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 you're I not coming see with you us. you shenanigans. She's like, oh, well, I'll just call my people the Borg. <laughs> what? It's funny that all you have to do to stop her transmission is just, like, push her antenna back in.
1: Yeah. It's, that's pretty great. Although, I think it's, they, she did have it open for a couple seconds before 10... Tendi swatted it down. I wonder if
0: there's enough message there. Oh, I'm hundred percent sure that she summoned the Borg. Okay, hundred percent sure that, that 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 she summoned the Borg to that planet. Absolutely. Okay. Because of that, mm-hmm. and the other antics that she's been through, they are <laughs> able to stick her in the Daystrom Institute with all the other robots that we saw laughing uh, on a recent episode of Star Trek Lower Decks.
1: Yes. We are reintroduced to Agamus.
0: Yes. Is Agamus the one from the uh, Delaney Sisters planet? Delaney Sisters planet? <laughs> yeah, they're the Delanians, right? Oh. they The ones with the orbital tether that, you know, uh, Rutherford should have been up there fixing, but Mariner was up there fixing it. And she oh, no, no, dive no. Down to the planet.
1: He's, no, that's a diff. oh, that, oh. He's from season two episode where pleasant fountains lie.
0: It's so weird that I don't remember that title at all.
1: I don't either. I remember Argamas. I don't... That's a good point. Maybe there was definitely a computer in the episode you are talking about, though. Yeah. Yeah. But I was ecstatic because Argamas was played by Jeffrey Combs. Was he really? Yeah.
0: Oh, that's neat. Welcome back, Jeffrey Combs.
1: Not only that, but the Drukhmani captain was played by
0: J JG Hertzler. Oh, Martok. Yeah. Oh, that makes sense. I thought the voice sounded familiar. That makes perfect <laughs> sense. Oh, okay, yeah. that's Martok. Yeah, I'm glad that we're we're using JG Hertzler. I'm not so as excited about Jeffrey Combs. Oh. Because he did so much. I mean, like. Uh, every alien doesn't have to be Jeffrey Holmes. Like he, <laughs> he got to be a little overkill. I was like, okay, so he's okay. just going to be every alien. He's going to be the, he's going to be the Vorta. He's going to be a non Vorta on D space nine. He's going to be the Andorian. He's going to be a Vulcan. Like he's everything. Mm-hmm. Like, Jeffrey Combs, welcome back, but let's, let's do a little less. Okay.
1: Say. Well, I don't think he's ever uh, up until this. Well, I guess the last time they had Argamas in, in, in it, yeah. but, uh, I don't think he's done anything animated yet. Except yeah. for Argamas.
0: So all these all these super evil machines, as super evil things do, they start laughing at the evil plan.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> and that's when as we're doing the pull away that I see the same Daystrom Institute. First first of all, you see the same Daystrom Institute's uh logo that we mm. saw in Star Trek Picard. Mm-hmm. And then when we pull away and we do the establishing shot, we see that we are indeed at the same Daystrom Institute yeah. that was featured in Star Trek Picard. Here's my one problem about the Daystrom Institute. Yeah. They have a floating, like, city? <laughs> what is that? Yeah, I, heck if I know. Like, <laughs> That's the only place where we have, like, just a random landmass that's floating? <laughs> Why is that? Don't know. I, I mm. mean, it looks almost like an
1: antenna or something.
0: Oh, that's where they're keeping Magneto.
1: <sighs> Magnetically floating in, in midair? Mm-hmm. Mm, okay. Maybe he's the uh, power drive to that whole thing.
0: Yeah, they're like, hold this thing up. If you don't, you're going to die. Because <laughs> it's all going to crash to the ground. Keep, <laughs> you better keep it floating. But if it moves it away from
1: where it's flying in the first place, we're going to kill you anyway.
0: Yeah, like, what happens if it if it drifts away?
1: Yeah, I mean, how is it a prison if you give them a
0: ship? It's not... So the good thing is that it's not susceptible to earthquakes, but it is oh. susceptible to hurricanes. Mm. Or I, tornadoes.
1: Mm-hmm. I bet you that they have a plan for that. Uh,
0: maybe it's run by Elizabeth Warren. She's got a plan for that.
1: On the other hand, I mean, they do have weather control systems, so maybe they just don't let tornadoes and hurricanes hit that area.
0: Oh, I wonder if that's part of the weather control system. Oh. It's in Okinawa, right? Yeah. I wonder if that's... Yeah, that could actually be controlling the stuff, like, you know, that happens around there. Mm Mm-hmm.
1: So what did you want to rate this episode?
0: I liked this episode there were a lot of did? elements of this episode that i enjoyed yes i really did i really liked birdman i thought that he was great <laughs> i wanted him to be part of the crew um uh-huh. i liked seeing peanut hamper again i liked that opening theme thing yeah i feel like it was sort of a side mission like a lot of time, like in in yeah. these this newer generation of star trek we're doing like long continuous stories mm-hmm. this is sort of like a peanut hamper so like has, has anybody really had their own episode in this series Yeah, we're like we just focus on that one character
1: sort of with rutherford and um oh fair enough tindy and the orion
0: yeah but i mean they weren't like it wasn't completely focused on just them is what i'm getting at like this was this was like this was like data off by himself you know in a in a colony not knowing that he was an android kind of thing thine own self you know or like or, or Doctor Crusher stuck in a warp bubble of her own imagination, oh, or okay. Picard stuck in a life that, you know, <laughs> is actually a memory file. The inner light, or Worf doing, you know, sliders. This is the the peanut hamper sliders. Yeah. Okay. I season, I season seven. Yeah. Parallels is what it's called. Yeah. So we, we have like a Peanut Hamper focused episode. We have like a sort of in caps. Well, not even in caps, just one. Yeah, we have an end cap. In the beginning, we're you know, establishing where Peanut Hamper's story go, started from. Mm-hmm. And then we're doing, we basically cover Peanut Hamper's whole story, mm-hmm. like in novel, in short novel form, all the way up <laughs> until, you know, the Cerritos crew arrives again. And then we close the story out.
1: Yeah, what a novel way to tell us what's been going on with Peanut Hammer.
0: Oh, I see what you did there. Yeah, I feel like maybe um, we spent a lot of money on Deep Space Nine. Oh, okay. So this I this happens a lot where we're like we have this big bodacious episode and then we kind of yeah. like chill out for the next episode it's like <laughs> we spent the budget of two episodes. One thing, by the way, that I that I recall about last episode is uh-huh. you asked me. You, you mentioned, we did, we had a conversation about, you know, the station looking the same, and mm-hmm. one of us said something like, oh, they probably use the same model. Okay. No. Deep Space Nine didn't use CGI. They, the station. well, even in they the used last... Model, year. model, models. Yeah, they use model, model, models. Models, been, like real models. What about when they
1: do, the, like, the very super ultra pullback, where it gets...
0: Yeah, it's a model. All you do is you take that frame, and you push that frame away from the camera, and it fill the outsides. Yeah. Okay. It was a model.
2: Okay.
0: So they actually so I it, it appears that they actually went through the trouble of either building a CGI model or they went on like you know, Trekmeshes.ch, and uh-huh. pulled down the digital model and uh-huh. like reskinned it as a cartoon. Okay. so this is actually the first that episode was actually the first use of a CGI model of d space 9.
1: Could they have just uh, put the coloring over the original footage? no because that mm. you're right that was rotating a little bit too much and we were panning around it a little too much that definitely prop most likely was a 3d mo-
0: computer. i mean a computer you could do that scene you could just you remove the wormhole and the ships and all the stuff in the background and you have a computer you know map the, com- the cartoons onto it and then add the other elements in i mm-hmm. guess they could have i'm prefer to believe that they used an actual model because, you know, that's what they've been doing for this yeah, uh, TV show. It's it's pretty wild. Like, I, I didn't know until like, I think maybe the second season that they were actually using CGI models mm-hmm. and skinning them as cartoons. I think it's a brilliant move.
1: Yeah, I, I think they uh, are probably picking up where Futurama left off with that kind of stuff.
0: So they they delighted me, Right. Good. because because I saw because I liked the whole bird stuff. They gave me uh-huh. a lot of humor. Okay, um, they got me. They gave me like some sly, like sneaky humor that I didn't get until later. Like I didn't realize until a few minutes before we started recording that the father's <laughs> name was Kaltoris. and I was like,
1: oh,
0: <laughs> Areolus Caloris. Okay, I got you. I see what you're doing there. <laughs> Raw dog. Like everything was sexual with that planet which oh that's why they had to have the whole sex thing with peanut hamper and and raw dog it was this is a very sexual episode <laughs> i'm going 8.7 for my rating
1: okay i was initially going to rate it pretty low i was very confused by peanut hamper's what seemed to me like constant sh- shifting of either personality or uh, going from, with bipolar kind of things,
0: I'm telling I, you, it's Angel, it's Angel and Dr. Aspen, it's the same thing. Okay. She's using emotion to sway them all day.
1: So, yeah, and and then I really liked hearing Jeffrey Combs and uh, JG Hertzler. Yeah. I, you've swayed my opinion though, and I appreciate. Oh, that.
0: interesting. Oh, I appreciate that as well. What was your original?
1: I was originally going to go somewhere in a high four.
0: Ooh! <laughs> but Not a fan of this episode to start, huh?
1: I'm I'm going to bring it up to an eight point. Wow! Oh. 8.1. Okay. All right. All right. I think I
0: I think I can live with it. <laughs> you got anything else for this episode this episode yes anything else on this episode Mm,
1: just after raw dog and peanut hamper start making love the first time Mm -hmm. we see two tortoises flying away from camera over a uh, waterfall
0: i forgot about the flying turtles (laughs) that may have been perhaps my favorite flying creature was the flying (laughs) turtles do they fly slowly
1: they didn't appear to be in this shot.
0: But uh, yeah, why that's... are they turtles? I mean Do, are their wings stronger than the other ones because they have to carry around that, that maybe. big old heavy shell. Yeah. So
1: maybe that helps them be able to propel themselves faster.
0: Especially downward. Especially downward.
1: Yeah. Cause I mean they certainly would need to have the, the muscle to be able to move themselves forward and maintain lift.
0: And I'm gonna to have to go back and check. Were the wings coming out of the shell, or you, coming? Like, that's a they good on... question.
1: I was just i, I knew you were gonna ask mm. that. Mm. <laughs> I, it would have made sense that they were just their arms, but I'm pretty sure if I picture it in my mind that they were coming out of their shell.
0: Yeah, like right, like mounted to the back of the shell, right?
1: Yeah, like like uh, the OG Flash's helmet.
0: Sure. Yeah.
1: I think that's it.
0: So, what have you got next on our? On our slate of episodes this season, Earl. Next
1: time on Star Trek Lower Decks.
0: Mm-hmm. Crisis Point 2. Ooh, part two. Yeah. This was the... Was this the holodeck episode? I think so, yeah. The movie episode. Uh, yeah. Oh, is that what we're doing? We're doing another movie?
1: I think so. This one is called... The subtitle is P- Parado... P- Paradoxus.
0: Paradoxus.
1: Oh, is it French?
0: It's Latin. Oh, okay. Oh, that's why you're going paradox, paradoxes. Okay. I got yeah. It's Latin. We do Latin titles on Star Trek, you know, like oh, Inter okay. Arma Enum, Silent Leges, or um, I, I can't remember anymore right now off the top of my head for some reason, <laughs> but I know that we usually do Latin titles.
1: Ah, uh, it'll be released on next Friday, the 13th. I mean, Thursday, the 13th okay. of October. Uh-huh. 2022.
0: So, in the original movie, Mariner was playing a pirate, right? Yeah, sort of, yes. So, I'm wondering how that's going to change in light of her having met Petra Aberdeen.
1: Oh. She was an archaeologist. Eh,
0: yeah. yeah. Do you remember when Picard became an archaeologist in Gambit? <laughs>
1: Supposedly, he had always been an archaeologist
0: the line between archaeologists and and pirate in that episode was kind of blurred. <laughs> and like the line with Vash, the line between pirate and archaeologist is kind of blurred also.
1: Yeah. Same thing for the 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 woman at the in the tent. Well, I won't speculate on what I might be think might be in this episode. Why not? Cuz you asked me not to.
0: Oh well, that's not speculation. That's reporting on what you see in the trailer. Okay. I don't hmm. want to know any of that.
1: But uh, will this become an annual tradition for Lower Decks, kind of like the Simpsons Treehouse of Horror episode?
0: Oh, like doing Crisis Point. Mm-hmm. Are we on season three?
1: Yeah. I think there was a couple times when Treehouse of Horror got skipped too. So. Okay. Maybe this is a fan request, and maybe they're like, "Okay, well, we'll keep on doing this then, if they like it that much." Could be. So yeah, this episode will be written by, or was written by Ben Rogers. It was. All right. And it was directed by Michael Mullen.
0: We've had him before. He's done good work with us. Welcome back to the to the screen, Michael <laughs> Mullen.
1: <laughs>
0: he was the director of the episode that Mike McCam- M- Mike McMahon wrote. Oh, okay. Was it? It was the Deep Space Nine episode. Wasn't was it? it? Yeah, I think it was a Deep Space Nine episode because Mike McMahon wrote that. And then Michael Mullen directed it.
1: Well, I think he might have also been a part of the... uh,
0: The original Crisis Point? Maybe.
1: But Uh the uh, green orbs with the uh, Andorian... Mining
0: the Mines Mines?
1: Yes, that one. There we are. So, until next time, everybody. Yeah? Please stay positive. All right. Look toward the future. Dream big. And you'll hear from us again soon.
0: Deep Space Night. Support the continued making
2: of this show
1: through (laughs)
0: Patreon.com. Let's Talk About Trex is a production of Anodyne Relay supported by the Star Trek fan community of listeners like you. We review the copyrighted works of Paramount CBS's Star Trek team, of whom no copyright infringement is intended. You can reach us via email at email at letstalkabouttrex.com. You can leave us a message at area code 2028046312. Our producer is David Moody, and our writers, Jack and Earl, are on Twitter as at and would greatly appreciate the obligatory like and subscribe from wherever you're listening now. We record on Lenovo computers with Zoom, mixed with NCH Mixpad, and master with 3 Reaper. Our intro, outro, and interstitial musics feature samples from Awakening by Waterboy from Pixabay.
1: If I say something, can you drop it in somewhere else?
0: I don't know if I'm going to do all that. Just say the thing.
1: That escalated quickly.
0: Oh, my God. Where are you going to put that? To the sex scene?
1: Yeah, just after the beginning of the sex scene. Okay. That's a popular thing. in